0: Got here early in the back, huh? Guys that up front get here late. I know how that works. Man, look at that! Y'all filled in the back back there. You got it somewhere to go? This morning we're going to talk about. Well, actually, we started last week discussing the idea of becoming a servant, or in other words, uh, serving one another with the hope of developing a service with a smile mentality. And, um, you know, not just developing a a servant attitude toward life, but actually enjoying it. So you get here late, huh? (laughs) Sit up front. Yeah, that's the way it works. But um, basically, that's what we're going to try to establish as we go through the series, is developing an idea of uh, we're really here to serve. And uh, yet there's so many opposing philosophies to that whole idea. Uh, you know, I remember having philosophy class in college and now I've got to relive it through my daughter. And uh, you know, I thought I was over with it, you know what I mean? And then she starts coming home with the questions that make her head hurt and she wants to just <laughs> share those with the family. And uh, so we'll discuss it, but I, I love it. I guess, ran into a great definition of a philosopher. A philosopher is a person who talks about things they don't understand and makes them feel like it's your fault. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, that's basically philosophy in a nutshell, but uh, there's a lot of philosophies, and if you think about the philosophies throughout the history of the world, every one of them are in a direct opposition to everything we're going to talk about. Philosophy number one, Greece said to be wise and know yourself. Rome said be strong and discipline yourself. Religion says be good and conform yourself. Epicureanism says be sensuous and enjoy yourself. Education says, be resourceful and expand yourself. Psychology says, be confident and assert yourself. Materialism says, be satisfied and please yourself. Pride says, be superior and promote yourself. Humanism says, be capable and believe in yourself. Legalism says, be pious and limit yourself. And philanthropy says, be generous and release yourself. And uh, God says, you know what, die to self. Gee, that's really messed up, isn't it? (laughs) it's like and then that's the last one you have to add to the whole list and you know what and forget all of the above because God says die to self and the bottom line of servanthood is really that for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give and so the whole idea of servanthood is God's idea and so we need to think as he thinks we need to understand what he desires of our life and the problem is that servanthood is really fundamental to our understanding of who we are as Christians And uh, not many of us like fundamental things because we like to get into the more gadget plays. And working with athletics and being involved in sports all my life, I realize how true this is of fans as well as even those who play the game. But in reality, what we're all looking for when we go and watch a game is some trick play that looks really cool, that works, fakes everybody out, and goes for the big score. That's fun, that's excitement, that's what we like to see but very rarely, if you're familiar with sports at all, very rarely does anyone ever win a game with a trick play and in fact the games are always won and winners are winners because they do the same things over a long period of time and are consistent and they're good at the fundamentals and in football particularly the games are always won as they say in the trenches and that's a game that none of us know anything about nor care to because it's not glamorous but the idea behind it is is that the guys up front <clears throat> the offensive line, the defensive line are really the guys who win and lose ball games, But nobody knows that because it's either offensive linemen who open the hole or protect the quarterback so he can throw the pass so a receiver can get open and he has time to make the big play. But really, if it wasn't for the guys doing the work up front, he wouldn't have time to do it. And so really what it teaches me is that, you know, life is really one in the trenches. It's the fundamental things of life that carry us through and make us consistent winners according to God and in God's eyes over a long period of time. And so we have to quit trying to go with the big Christian gadget plays of things that are going to reach people and win people and do things because, you know what, the only thing that will really reach the world that we live in are God's people developing a servant mentality over a course of a lifetime and people seeing that and identifying with it. And there's nothing more fundamental as far as servanthood is concerned than the idea of becoming a person who is a giver and not a taker. The world we live in continually wants to take Give me, give me, give me, give me. And the world that God says we need to live in says that you need to be a giver and not a taker. And that's what we're going to talk about. So the options that we have really aren't that great because the question's already been answered. And here's the way I go through things because I'm always looking for an out. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for an out. And as I look at this and say, okay, wait a minute, has God really answered the question of that I personally need to become more giving in my life? And I go back to what we talked about last week. Jesus said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but what? But to serve and to give. Then we begin to realize that God's desire for each one of His people is to become more conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. If we're to be more like Jesus in how we live our life, therefore we must become givers and not takers. Jesus didn't come to be waited upon. He didn't come to be served. He didn't come to be honored and given glory from an earthly standpoint, though that time will come in the future. And he says the same thing to us. You are to be a servant here, and if you serve, I will exalt you in the proper time. I will exalt you when I too am exalted. We will all be exalted. He, obviously, preeminent before us, but we'll all be exalted if we learn this philosophy of serving now. And so I wrestle with this. Should I be a giver? I don't have a choice. If I'm going to be conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus, then I have to become more of a giving person and not selfish, but more other-centered rather than self-centered. So now I wrestle with the question of, okay, now I know I need to be more generous. I need to be more giving. Now my problem is, I don't know how to do it. And most of us don't. So now the the question that you have to address is, how should we give? If we're to become more giving, which we are, and we're to become more conformed to the image and likeness of Christ, which we will be, if we learn this aspect of giving. So here's how it works. I'm going to share with you four characteristics of giving that will help us to become more Christ-like in the way that we live our life. Number one, if we're to give, and we are, and we begin this process, here's how it starts. Number one, if you're to be a giver, you're to do it anonymously. If, you t- if you're to identify with this characteristic of a servant, and you want to be more like Jesus, you need to do it anonymously. You know, think about it, just from the birth of Jesus himself, other than the angel announcing his birth and his presence in this world, God himself sent his only begotten son in the, in the form of a human infant. There's nothing more humbling than coming into the world as a small child. He didn't come in as a conquering ruler, which he will next time. He didn't do it the first time. He came in as a humble baby born in a stable. He wasn't even born in some big wig hospital and there wasn't lights flashing and there wasn't any glamour. It was a time or a moment in time that the world wouldn't even recognize as being anything special. And so he's saying, listen, you know what? Here's the example that I laid forth for you. When I gave to this world, I did so almost anonymously. In a quiet way. Jesus said the same to us in Matthew 6. Listen to what he says. He says, and be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, which he's talking about in this particular case, giving. He said, don't do it before men to be seen by them, because if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. And I'll tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But see, when you give to the needy, there's that contrast again. When you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now that's not don't let your wife know what you're doing. Just want to let you know. I got all these little angles we're looking for, but that's not the one. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God's saying the world gives on the basis of everybody needs to know. If I'm gonna give something I want people to know how generous I am. I'm not gonna give and have nobody know about it. What would be the sense of giving? You know what I mean? I want everybody to know. I want them to name a wing after me at a hospital. You know what I'm saying? I want a library named after me. I want a school named after me. If I'm coming up with the big change I want people to know that I did it. That's the way the world gives. See, now, churches are pretty cool, because churches really don't do that. See, because, can you imagine? Stop and think about this for a second. got somebody who comes up with the big change for a building program at a church. You can't really call the church, the church of John Smith, the big benefactor. You know, you you can't really do that. But it's really hard, because we need to raise the money, and we know that that will stroke that person to be recognized. So somehow we've got to let everybody know who's kicking in the big change because the person kicking it in may not kick it in. See, the world operates on that premise. And then we, as Christians, begin to be conformed to the image of this world that molds us into that thinking and says, you know, that's the only way we're going to raise any money. So we need to stroke people and let them know we know what they gave so that they get recognition because if they don't, they may not give. God says, man, you know what? You guys are really messed up. You don't understand this thing of serving. That's what I'm trying to teach you is that you need to give anonymously. See, a church would never name their building after a person. I mean, because they gave money, you may name a building after a person who has been dedicated in time over a period of time and has served and have given themselves, and that's a fine honor to do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. What I'm specifically referring to is naming something after a person because they come up with the bucks. So we don't do that in church, right? Because, geez, it would sure be. It would just be too screwed up, and then everybody would know how screwed up we are because they'd see the sign out on the Teston Avenue there. Church of the Big Benefactor, you know, here's his name. Uh, so what we do is, we do cool things like, we, we like, put their name in hymn books and stuff. You know what I mean? Or I remember a church that I had previously gone to, and they put the names on chairs. You know, how many of you ever been to church like that? Come on now. There we go, look at that. I see your hands. So, you've been there, right? And then they got, like, the cool building down the street, they got the big stained glass windows with your name etched in them. That's cool, you know. And why do they do that? Because people want to be recognized for giving. Now listen to me and listen very closely. This isn't so much a criticism of that type of method for raising funds. Believe it or not. This is a criticism to us as individuals who need that type of building program to encourage us to give funds. That's really the indictment. The indictment's not against people who come up with cool ways to raise money. The indictment is against selfish, greedy, stingy people who would not give unless they're recognized and honored in some way before men or else they're not coming up with a check for you. That's what the indictment is. Now here's this attitude of serving that blows us all away. Jesus says, hey, when you give, don't let anybody know that you're giving. Because your Father in Heaven, God sees your heart, which is really the motive behind your giving anyway. He sees your act of sacrifice. He sees your contribution. And He's the one that will reward you for that. And I would rather have Him reward me than have my stupid name on a hymnal. I don't know about you, and you're going, well, geez, but we got our names on hymnals. (laughs) Uh, you know, it's like, now you all going like, what row are they in? No, you know, it's not here, but you want to go back and collect them all now, don't you? I know, it's like, okay, hey, if I get my name out of there, can you, like, transfer that to another account, like the one that counts? You know, but that's what God says. He goes, man, people need recognition, or they're not going to serve anybody. We need to be anonymous in how we serve. Now, it's interesting when you think about it, because I don't even know how to test myself sometimes as to why I do what I do. I'm like messed up. And the neat thing about it is God says he knows that I am. And I kind of go, good, because I, I know I am too, but I'm not real sure. And then when you tell me that I am, because he says our heart's wicked, deceitful above all else. You don't even know half the time, Chuck, why you do the things that you do. And so what the word of God is, is it's a standard that says, listen, buddy, let me help you identify why you're doing what you're doing. Okay. Number one, would you give if nobody knew? I don't know. I never tried that. I know some of you are going, What's oh, that's a good question. Would you give if nobody knew? There's a simple question. Would you give if it wasn't even a tax write-off? Which it may not be the way things are going. <laughs> you know, think about it. The only good news is that there's a whole bunch of charitable organizations with a lot of lobbyists that are making big money running these charitable organizations that are taking most of the money for themselves and not spreading it out to the people that need it. And the only good thing we got for us is greedy, selfish people in those organizations who are going to fight like heck to make sure we don't lose their tax-exempt status. So, but think about it for a moment. You know, uh, Do you expect repayment of some kind? If you give, is it not just you're giving because you're giving, but you're giving so you can get something somewhere along the line, and if I give, then they owe me. I know ministries that are run like that. It's unbelievable. The persons that give the most have the most input and say, no matter how stupid they are spiritually. Oh, big old so-and-so is cashing the big check again. Well, let's listen to what the idiot has to say. You know, and it's like, you know, it's not, it is, it's not a matter of spiritual maturity. It's a matter of checkbook balance. That's pretty pathetic. And y'all go, no, that doesn't happen. (laughs) Really? Get out of your house once in a while. (laughs) You mentally keep track of what you give. How about Matthew 25? They're standing before the Lord. They say, Jesus, didn't we do these things in your name? We did this, 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 and this. And he said, man, I don't even know you. And then it goes on and it says, you know what? When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And you know what God's people said? When? I don't even remember that. He said, when you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it unto me. A servant's heart, a genuine servant's heart, says, man, you know what? I don't even know that I'm giving. I don't even keep track of what I'm doing. Because I'm serving the Lord. I'm not keeping track of any of this. When did I do that? Really? Man, that's pretty cool. Because I don't even remember. This is neat. I'm glad you kept track of that. See, that's what a genuine servant's heart is toward giving. They do so anonymously. I like what one woman wrote. You know, it's interesting, too. This is an interesting side note. But in uh, Romans 16.23, there was a guy named Erastus. He was a city treasurer. And when they were doing archaeological digs, they found his name on a piece of pavement that was uh, in the city of Corinth. I guess it was the Corinthian building program. Erastus came up with a couple of bucks, probably out of the treasury, and, uh, and then had his name put on a piece, of, you know, a piece of concrete that was put in a brick that was put in the ground. But I think it's pretty funny if you think about it because, see, we haven't changed. Man has not changed. The word of God has not changed, and it's still applicable today as it was to the city of Corinth and their building program that they had going on. But here's an interesting poem, and I want to read this to you, and it's by Ruth Harms Calkin, and she writes this in a a poem that's that's entitled, I Wonder. She says, Lord, you know how I serve you with great emotional fervor in the limelight. You know how how eagerly I speak for you at a woman's club. You know how I effervesce when I promote a fellowship group and you know my genuine enthusiasm at a Bible study. She says, but how would I react, I wonder, if you pointed to a basin of water and asked me to wash the calloused feet of a bent and wrinkled old woman day after day, month after month, in a room where nobody saw and nobody knew. I wonder. I like that. Nobody saw and nobody knew, I wonder. You see, because there are many servants of God that sit out here every week and you're doing things in the trenches of life. You're doing them on the line of scrimmage and nobody sees and nobody knows and you continue to do it because you've got a servant's heart. And I want to encourage you to continue keeping on, keeping on. Because the battle is won in the trenches and God sees what you're doing. And He will reward you when the rest of us don't even see it. Don't even know it. And don't even appreciate it. What I'm hoping to do throughout this series is get us to realize how important it is for all of us to get in the trenches and begin to serve again. Stop soaking and start serving. That's where the battle is won. And we're in a battle. I wonder. I like what she has to say. Number two, the second thing is, if we're to become servants as far as this whole concept of giving, we need to do so generously. Now, that's a, a real interesting concept in and of itself because it's difficult when you think about it, but we need to do so generously. And in uh, 2 Timothy, we read this, verses uh, chapter 1, 16 through 16-18. Paul writes, may the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my change. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. The day where everything we do is taken into account. He says, for you know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. He goes on in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 4, and he says about the church, he says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, they o- their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. Here are a couple of passages that indict us when it comes to being stingy in how we give. He's saying that here's this church, the churches of Macedonia, who were in severe trial, severe economic depression. They didn't have, their own needs weren't being met. And yet when Paul says the church at Jerusalem was in trouble, the people got together and said, we want to give. And Paul was tempted to say, don't give because you don't even have your own needs being met. We should be taking up a collection for you. And they said, don't deny us the privilege and the blessing of giving to someone in need. Don't hinder our giving. Man, this is blowing me away. Because it, it just, uh, it's so contrary to everything we understand about giving, about serving. We get generously. Listen, we're in difficult economic times. We all know it. You know it. It's been going on and it will continue to go on. But we haven't seen anything like some of you had seen if you lived through the Depression. We don't really know what tough times are. My generation doesn't know what a tough time is. And I'll be the first one to be honest about it. I think I do. I feel that I do. I, you know, I think the first year we were married it was a severe depression in our household. You know what I'm saying? Not because of, no, not because of emotional or all the rest of it. because we didn't have, you know, the old pot though, you know what, in. You know what I'm saying? But, um, and who'd want to do that anyway? That's the question I always had in my mind. <laughs> but, you know, I thought there was a depression, and it was pretty depressing. But then you go through it, and you begin to realize that we don't really even know how difficult things can really be. Here's our attitude. I love this. This is God says to give generously. And here's this guy sitting in church. Man, check this guy out old grump face. I see some of you. In fact, I think the guy, the guy who drew this up must have been here a couple of times. Old big grump face, puss face, sitting there all grumpy, you know, moaning blah, blah, about everything. The, give, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. the basket comes around, he turns toward the basket, gets a big old fake smile on, puts his money in, then goes back to being old grump face again. You know, that's the way most of us are. All right, I'll give, God, but gee whiz, you know, you'd think you'd have enough by now. You know, it's like, what in the world, you know? Man, I'll tell you something, that's like, God doesn't need anything from you or me. He's God. And the last I heard, he's doing pretty well. You know, and so we get this attitude. It's like, God doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't need any money from me. I don't have to spot him a 10 to go to lunch. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't need it. What he's trying to teach us is to become more like Jesus. Jesus. To give generously, not to, to give, you know, haphazardly or holding back, but to give sacrificially, to give. Here's on this verse, running around, man, it says that, you know what, he often, I mean, it blows me away when you stop and you look at people like this. Here he was, he searched for me, and he searched hard, and he, and he often met my needs. I was often refreshed by him. What a great servant this guy is, what a great model of serving one another. He met his needs often. He searched for him in difficult times, trying to find him in prison. And he met his needs, and he was abused for it, and he was ridiculed for it. But he didn't care because he realized what it meant to be a servant, what it meant to give, and how refreshing it was to the person that received it, and how Christ-like it is. I mean, that's what it's all about. Give generously. You know what? And it's amazing because some of us, I, you know, we all know, we don't know how we're going to make it till next week. But then I started to realize, you know what, we don't know sometimes how difficult it really is. I was watching a TV thing the other day and it was about some kids that were in trouble with the law and one of the rehabilitation programs was to have them work with what would be called handicapped people. And I'm starting to realize there is no such thing as a handicapped person. Because a person that loses one arm feels sorry for a person that loses two arms. A person that loses one leg feels sorry for a person that loses two legs. You know, Dennis Bird, he couldn't walk and people were feeling sorry for him, and he didn't feel sorry for anybody because he knew that Jesus was in control of his life, that God had a plan for him. And he began to realize, I don't have anything to feel sorry about because there's always somebody worse off than me. We're selfish people when we believe that we can't give to meet the needs of another person because we need our needs met. That's when we've crossed the line and we've become selfish in the sight of God. We need to look around us and say, you know what, Lord? I have nothing to complain about and everything to praise you about. Use me as a servant. And if I've got anything and you want me to give it and it's the only thing I have left and you find someone that you think needs it more than me, then I want to be able to just open my hands and let it go because God wants people that will serve him with an open hand and not a closed fist. Here's the way I've seen it. It's like it's in ministry too. When you open your hand and you say, God, you put in here whatever you want to put in and you take out whatever you want to take out. But when you hold on and you become possessive and you clutch something, whether it's materialism or anything else, then the only way God's going to get it out of your hand is he's going to bust every one of your fingers. He's going to bust your hand because if he wants it, he's getting it out and your grip's not going to hold it. So you've got to learn just to give it up, man. God, you want it? You take it. You want to put something here? That's cool too. Whatever you want to do. I came in here naked. I'm going out naked. Can't take it with me? Can't take it with me? I don't need it. You put it in, I'll turn around and pass it around. Generously. And I like this one. He says we're also to give voluntarily. Voluntarily. Now, this is a neat concept. How about this guy? Here's the way most of us feel. Voluntarily. Whoa! Like you're sitting out there. You ever said, we need a volunteer. That's like the death kiss in a church. It is. It's like the kiss of Judas on your cheek. We need a volunteer. And then here's what we usually get. Well, if no one else will do it, I'll go ahead and do it. And I'm like, you know what, I don't think it needs done that bad. I don't care what it is, it doesn't need done that bad. If you can't find somebody who voluntarily says, I want to do that, then it doesn't need done. Because how good is it going to get done? And how about the people you're supposed to be serving? They're going to be real pleased by that approach. Hi, I'm here to serve you. That's like going to a fast food restaurant. Hi, may I help you? You want that stinking apple pie with the rest of this mess you're getting? You know what I'm saying? That's the way we are. You know, God says, do it voluntarily. 2 Corinthians 8, look, man, for I testify, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. You got that? Entirely on their own. This is cool. Man, there's nothing worse. And think about it, because this is human nature. This is actually sin nature. You got somebody, come on, now we're going to pass that basket around until we get what we need. Now pass it around. And they keep passing it around. It's like the guy says, I know God's speaking to someone. Please come. No, come on down front. God's tugging on your heart. Oh, come on now. And this service goes on forever. Finally, some old tired old person who's got something to do, somewhere to go, comes crawling down to the front. Forgive me, Lord, for lying right now, but we all need to get out of here, and I'm trying to save the church. You know? You know? And that's the way we are raising money. Pass that basket around. Pass that basket. Oh, that's hit. Another here we go again. And the only reason we've got to do that stuff is because no one ever learned how to be a servant and give generously and be able to do so voluntarily. That's the only reason churches even have to ask for money. Think about it. You should be looking for places to give. Hey, Lord, you're blessing me this way. Where should I be serving? How should I be giving? Where should I be uh, donating money, time, effort, energy, serving? Where, where should I be doing this? Man, this is great. You know, I need to find a place but the funny thing is everyone's gotta to come to us when Jim Plain's give $25 just this time $25 <laughs> oh please you know what don't even do that that's so pathetic it's like gee whiz you know what and it makes us look like you know we're God's little beggars please, please. oh hit the road you know what in fact I've been to churches man you're lucky you get the hat back yet alone anything in it <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's like man alive Alright, let's move on. Number four, last thing, here we go. And here's the one, that here's the killer. Because some of us think we can get off just writing a check. Easiest thing to do is write a check, right? Here, just take the check, get off my back. That's the way it is. Ah, There's the servant's heart. Take the check, get off my back. Alright, God bless you, move on with your life. Good for you. But here's the problem that we have. You want to have a servant's heart and you want to give and become more like Jesus. I mean, can you imagine Jesus saying, Father, can you send someone else? I don't personally want to get involved. (laughs) Think about how stupid that is. But think about how that's so true of our lives. I don't want to get involved. I'll write a check. I'll send in a contribution. I'll leave the stuff off by the curb. You can come by and pick it up but I don't want to get involved. I don't want to see the people who are getting these things because it might move my heart to realize how selfish I am. So if you can do me a favor and just keep this site, you know, keep their sight out of my mind, then I can comfortably just give a check whenever it comfortably fits our financial position. But if I get personally be involved, then I may end up spending time with people. Oh my gosh! You may have to spend time with somebody. And we know you don't have any time. We may have to give more than we originally were going to give. And you know you couldn't do that because you only got so much. How can I spend more time? And I I have to give effort because I'm so tired all the time. And certainly not any more energy. See, when you give personally, you have to give of yourself. It's sacrificial. You give of your time and effort, and energy, and finances, and resources, and you cry with people, and you rejoice with people, and you bear one another's burdens, and you're involved in the lives of people. We want to serve and not be involved with anybody personally. On this verse said, I'm going to be personally involved. I'm going to find them. I'm going to find Paul. I'm going to meet his needs. I'm going to pour myself into man's life. I'm going to serve. I'm going to become more like Jesus. Are you personally involved? Hey, you're not getting off the hook, man. You're probably already feeling, well, I think I would cough up a couple more bucks somewhere. But, man, hey, this isn't what it's all about. It's everything. It's you. It's all of you. And what I'd say is, or none of you. Because God doesn't stinking need you to serve him with a grump face. We don't here in this class. We don't here at this church. We don't anywhere need people who are serving under compulsion and not voluntarily. If we can't get enough people to serve that want to serve, then we won't do much. That's all. But remember, the game is won in the trenches. And if we're going to make an impact in our world, in our community, and with our friends and family and coworkers and everybody else, if we're going to make an impact, then we're going to have to serve in the trenches. And you know what? No one may ever find out about it but God himself. i want to close with a true story. It was in World War II, right after World War II was over. And uh, Europe had began picking up all the pieces, and much of the old country was destroyed and uh, ravaged by war. It was in ruins. And perhaps the saddest sight of everything that had gone on up to that point was that of little children who were starving and orphaned in the streets. And uh, early one chilly morning, an American soldier was making his way back to the barracks in London. And as he was driving down the street, he saw a little boy who looked abandoned. He looked like he was an orphan. He was kind of, you know, kind of dirty and ragged clothes. And he had his nose pressed in the window of a pastry shop. And he was just looking at all the activity, and he saw the people that were eating uh, and donuts and pastries and drinking coffee and hot chocolate, and they were in out of the cold, and they were in the warm place, and he was just standing there with his mouth and eyes wide open. And the GI came up to him and said to the little boy, he said, hey, son, w- would you like some of those donuts? And the little boy's eyes brightened up, man. he lit up and said, oh, sir, I'd love to have some of those donuts. And so the American GI went into the store, he bought a dozen donuts, he put them in a bag, he came out to him, and he handed the little boy a bag of donuts. And he smiled and he patted him on the head and he turned to walk away. And as he was walking away, the little kid reached up and tugged on his, his coat and uh, the man turned around and the boy looked him in the face and looked right in his eyes and said, Mister, are you God? And we are never more like Jesus than when we give to other people. The world will never see Jesus more clearly than when he sees him through the lives of his people who are servants that are here to serve and to give. That's how this world will see Jesus in us.
1: This morning we're going to sing a song for you entitled, I've Just Seen Jesus.
2: we had watched as his life ebbed away Then
1: we all stood around till the Lord took him down Joseph gave for his body
2: that day. It was late afternoon when we got to the tomb, wrapped his body and sealed up the grave.
1: It is I, I am me.